born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. Take your Bible and turn to the book of Philippians, the book of Philippians. And notice there in chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, verse 7. The apostle Paul had spent some time in prison, and, um, but he didn't waste his time. God used him to write some books. So you can always accomplish something regardless of what's going on. And so as he writes here in the book of Philippians, he's letting them know the joy that he has in the Lord. It's not based upon things that are happening to him. And he says there in verse 7, But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. In other words, if I had to choose, I would rather have Christ than anything else in the world. And that nothing in this world has ever profited me like knowing the Lord. And he says that, his education and who he was and of the tribe of Benjamin and the Pharisee. He says, oh, I'm an uppity-up. I'm somebody. He says, but I'd rather be a nobody for Christ. I'd rather be a fool for Christ's sake. And he says, I have one main desire, and that's to know more about the Lord, to love the Lord, to know the power of his resurrection. The power that raised up Christ from the dead lives inside of you and me and gives us the power that we need to serve the Lord above the elements of this world. But look what he says. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. The excellency of the knowledge. In other words, there is no knowledge worthy to be compared to the knowledge of knowing the Lord. Did you know that all the wisdom of all the men in all the world cannot compare to the wisdom found in this book right here? This is the Word of God. All of this is truth. This is God's love letter to His children. So God wants His children to study His Word so that we will know how God thinks, what He loves, what He hates, what he wants us to do so that we can have a divine perspective on life. And so he makes a statement here. He said, I have suffered the loss of all these things that ever I am and whatever I've done that I might have Christ. That's more important to me. 
In other words, to know the will of God and to do the will of God is more important than all the wealth of this world that you might be able to accumulate or wherever you might be able to go and to see. Nothing compares to Christ. And he says there in verse 9, I love verse 9. It's a wonderful verse. If verse 9 is not underlined in your Bible, then you may not be saved. No, I'm just joking. You need to underline verse 9. And this is what it says. And be found in him. That's in Christ. Not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Now, I want you to know that the Lord so enlightened the Apostle Paul with a great comparison that he actually put it in the book here. And this is divine inspiration. God breathed out and in, and in to come out, and we have the Word of God. And this is what he said. In the last part of verse 8, For whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. And where's all the things, his pedigree, I mean his lineage, and whatever he had, and whatever he accomplished, and all of his degrees, and all of them, he says, is like a manure pile when you compare it to Christ. So don't be so uppity-uppity and so lifted up because of, look who I am. I'm somebody. If you don't know the Lord. Somebody told me, says, if you don't know the Lord, you don't know Jack. I said, I know Jack. I led him to the Lord 40 years ago, Jack Matthias. So I know Jack. I know the Lord. And if you know the Lord, you know somebody that's more important than all the presidents in America that's ever lived, all of them all put together, nobody has the honor or the prestige of this one individual, the Lord. So I guess we have a lot to be thankful for. And so whenever you stop and think about this, he makes this statement, that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that you're going to have when you get to heaven. So there's a lot of comparison that God gives in his word. But now he's given one in verse 9. And here he's talking about the righteousness of man versus the righteousness of God. You see, man's righteousness, which is of the law, and that which is the righteousness by faith. In other words, here I am, and let's pretend here's Christ standing right here. He is perfect, and so I'm not. I'm not perfect. I know you thought I was, but I'm not. I am a sinner. I do things wrong. You can't even compare the two. We're not alike at all when it comes to how righteous we are. My righteousness or his filthy rags, he never had a sin. He says, who convinces me of sin? No, I can't. I won't dare challenge somebody to do that to me. So Christ, who had no sin, his righteousness, 
He says he'll give me his righteousness and he'll take all my sins. Now that's substitution. So he took my sins, paid for them on the cross, and he said, if I will believe he did it for me, he would give me his righteousness. This is the righteousness that I can have by faith. I didn't earn it. I didn't work for it. But if I don't accept his righteousness, because you see, you've got to be righteous to go to heaven. You've got to be perfect. You can't have any sin go to heaven. But he says, I'll give you my righteousness. And I said, no, 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 no. I'm going to do the best I can. I'm going to try real hard. And so I may go to church and try to keep the Ten Commandments and obey the golden rule. And I do all these things. And God says, you come up short. Harmatano, you have missed the mark of perfection. And God said, be not found having your own righteousness or depending upon your good works to get you to heaven. Don't you be caught doing that. But having his righteousness So if the Lord came back right now to get Yankee Arnold, he will see that I am not trusting or depending on my good deeds, my works to get me to heaven, because he knows that I believe that Jesus died for my sins, and I have accepted him as my Savior, and that he has given me his righteousness. And so when the Lord comes, he sees me with the righteousness of his Son. And I get to go to heaven because of what Christ did for me. Isn't that good news? Now, not everybody understands this. You say, well, everybody's heard that. No, they haven't understood that. I enjoyed doing the radio broadcast this uh, Friday. Anybody in here listen to the radio broadcast? Oh, a bunch of you. Hey, we're picking up listeners. And who did I have on? Dr. Polson. And uh, didn't he do a great job? He's got a good speaking voice. He, I, I think he ought to do more of this. But anyway, uh, we told him about that little booklet. And before I we got off the radio, they didn't call and had about five or six orders for the book. And so they didn't call into the station, but they should have called into the office here. And did, did they ask for Mike? I told them to ask for Mike. You just stick with me, guy. I want to make you famous. I'm going to make you famous. Everybody call up, hey, I want to speak to Mike. I just want to talk to Mike. But anyway, I thought it was uh, very good. And this coming Friday night, Friday morning, I'm not going to be here. I'm going to be in Georgia. But we are going to have a live radio broadcast. You say, how are you going to do that? Well, I got a cell phone while I'm driving. No. Peter Amato is going to take it, and he's got some teenagers that he's going to interview on the radio. And who are those teenagers? Jesse, Tyler, Rachel, and Mo. So isn't that wonderful? To have those teenagers on the radio, and he's going to interview them. So y'all got to listen. You got to listen. And uh, encourage other people to do so, because, um, you know, we're just doing this on a Friday. And uh, if we get to liking it, we might do more. And then the, when I get back, that next Friday, Jay is going to be on. And um, we've got Gentiles. We've got to have a Jew on there, too. So y'all pray because Jay means Jonah. And I don't know if uh, he's going to jump ship or what's going to happen. You, know. you better come through now. I'm counting on you. All right, he'll be there. But the Lord is always, you know, opening up, giving us doors of opportunity. And sometimes we take advantage of them. Sometimes we don't. But there's something that God wants us to do because, you see, God wants to work through us. 
and he's looking for people that love him. And Paul says, I, I want to know more about the Lord. He said, I want to attain everything God has for me. He says, I haven't yet reached that. And he says, I'm pressing on. And then I don't look back and dwell on the past. I'm looking forward to what can I do. And so I want you just to jump over there to verse 5 in chapter 4. A few verses here that I want to pass on to you that I think would be very good for you and I as a child of God to realize that there's things that God has done to cause you to need Him so that you'll go to Him. You see, God has designed life in such a way that you're going to have problems that you can't handle. And you're going to have feelings of depression and all kinds of emotional upheavals. God says that's because of a sinful nature we have. But there's a God in heaven who is now your Father. And He loves you. And He wants to talk to you. He wants you to talk to Him. And one of the best ways to get you to talk to Him is that when nobody else can meet your need. When nobody else can solve your problem. God wants you to come to Him. So He says in verse 5, let your moderation or let your gentleness be known unto all men. So people are reading you. They are watching you. They watch your testimony and how you are around other people when you're having troubles and problems. And he makes this statement. You ought to underline this phrase in verse 5. The Lord is at hand. What I like is the Lord's not far, far away. He's always with me all the time. Regardless of what's going on, of how bad things seems to be, the Lord is right there. He's right there with you. He's closer to you than anyone else in the world. And He wants you to talk to Him. And look what He says. If the Lord is always with you and He's always at hand, you see, he makes a statement there in verse 14 of chapter 3. Uh, he said, I run, I press toward the mark of the high calling. So that's when you're running. And then down in verse 16, let us walk. And now he says in verse 5, the Lord is at hand. Let us stand. And in verse 6, he says, be careful for nothing. That means don't worry about things. Don't be over-anxious. There's nothing wrong with being concerned about things, but whenever you let your concern override your sense of reason and your trust and your peace of mind, uh, then you're going to be one disturbed individual. I've just finished three messages on Wednesday night dealing with depression. And you might not think you are ever depressed, but if you get discouraged, that is depression. And it can happen to anybody. And there's things that we can do that causes depression. And there are certain sins of the mind that produce depression. And then there's things that happens to you and I that is no fault of our own. Because of circumstances or what people do. The problems of life that lie beyond your power to control or do anything about. And if you don't learn how to Go to the Lord and cast your cares upon the Lord. You're going to get depressed, very down, very discouraged. And so I would recommend getting a copy of that. Now here in verse 6, be careful for nothing. 
What it means is don't cross the bridge before you get there because then when you get there, you're going to have to cross it again. So then you've got to do it twice. If God never slumbers and sleeps, there's no sense both of us staying awake at night. Now is there? Never think that your problems are so big that God can't do anything about or too small to concern him with. He says, cast all of your care. Well, of the big things I do. All of your care. Cast everything on the Lord. Pray about everything. Not just those big things you can't handle. Because those other things that you thought you could handle, you're going to find out God's going to say, uh, you can't handle that either. You see, it's uh, in climbing a mountain. It's not the big boulders. That's your problem. It's those loose stones that causes you to lose your footing. There's a message there somewhere. And he says here in verse 6, let in, in the middle part of verse 6, he says, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. God is at hand. And when Paul says, I want to know the power of his resurrection and the excellent knowledge. It means that the closer you get the Lord, the more you know about the Lord and what he can do, and the more you'll talk to him about things. And that is a process of learning as you go through your Christian life. Growing in grace, growing in your faith. You don't have it all. It's here a little and, and there a little. Line upon line, precept upon precept. One principle of God's Word built upon another principle of God's Word. And so you are built strong in the Lord because of those little bitty things. Little thing. If a man will be faithful in that which is small, he'll be faithful in that which is much. So God is testing you. Test all of us. So look what he says. In verse 7, And the peace of God, and the peace of God. You know the Lord is at hand. And you know you need to be thankful to the Lord for everything. And you know that you're going to go to the Lord and make all of your prayer requests made known unto him. Now, when's the last time you really talked to the Lord about everything that you want to talk about? Isn't it nice sometimes just to have a friend you can talk to, to trust, that you don't have to worry about telling, and you know, Said, so my besetting sin is my anger. Can you help me? Well, I'll pray for you. What is your besetting sin? Mine's gossiping, and I gotta go. Okay. Now look what he says in verse seven: the peace of God, which passes all understanding. This means passing all human understanding, because it's a divine understanding that God can give to you that will give you the peace, and it's not because of the circumstances may not change. Your health problem may not change. Your financial problem, it may not change. See, we always want things to change so that I'll feel better. God said, no, I want you to feel better if it doesn't change. I want you to trust me and don't worry about it. He said, that's, that's hard. I know. But this is where you want to get closer to the Lord. And you'll realize that the wisdom of God is superior to to the wisdom of man. And he says, your thoughts are not my thoughts. 
Your ways are not my ways, for my ways are higher than yours, and my thoughts are higher than yours. And therefore, he said, I want you to, I want you to think the way I want you to think. So I'm going to let you have these problems, and I want you to come to me, and I'll give you some peace of mind because you've learned to trust me, and you cast your cares upon me, and you're being thankful for what I've allowed in your life. And you'd be surprised the peace of the soul is worth so much. And look what he says in verse 8. Finally, brethren, he, he says finally several times, and then he writes another two chapters. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, and you ought to underline these four words, think on these things. You see, most people do not think upon the things that will make them strong, they think about the things that discourage them, that depress them. They're comparing. God can't use me, and God use somebody else. And then if you saw God using somebody else more than you, would you get jealous? Feel with envy? Then you've got a problem. There's a God in heaven that knows everything. And he wants you to commit even those feelings that you have to the Lord. And look what he says. In verse 9, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, and here's one of the biggest words in the Bible, do. And the God of what? The God of peace. Now, God says he's a God of peace. He can give you the peace of God, the peace with God. You see, when you trusted Christ as your Savior, you got the peace with God. I mean, he's not your enemy. But now as a child of God, don't you want to have the peace of God? Do you think God's worried? You think God is, you know, he don't have any joy? No love? You see, God wants to give you what he is. And that's why God has designed life in such a way that causes all of us to kind of seek his, his will. And so he makes a statement down here, do, and the God of peace will be with you. Then Paul uses himself as an illustration. He says, because I want you to think the way I think, because of what I've been through, I can help you. So you know that God allows you to go through things so that you can help somebody else. But in verse 10, but I rejoice. I rejoice. You know, th this is what they call a prison epistle. Um, He's not writing this from a palace. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of one, for I have, get this, I have learned whatsoever state I am, whether it's Georgia, California, Pennsylvania, it doesn't matter. Whatsoever state I am, therewith to be what? Content. I know how to be abased. I know how to do without. I know how to abound. I know how to have more than what I need. Everywhere, all things, I'm instructed. I've been taught. I've learned. Both to be full, to be hungry. To abound, suffer need. And then verse 13, see, goes with the person who thinks this way. So when he says, I can do all things through Christ, this is what he's talking about. 
So that whatever it is in life that you and I have to go through and whatever we have to face, I can do all things through Christ with what? Which strengtheneth me that I might perform. See, he strengthens me. He doesn't do it for me. He strengthens me so that I can perform what he wants me to do. So God doesn't change all the circumstances sometimes. But he'll give you the wisdom or the strength, the grace that you need to bear it. So that you can perform and be what God wants you to be. And then you jump over there to verse 19. Everybody likes verse 19. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. We know that the Lord is rich. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Have you ever asked the Lord to sell a few of those cattle and give you some cash? Lord, you own the cattle on a thousand hills. I just want a few of them. And he says, the, the earth is mine. The gold, the silver, he says, it's mine. You ever thought, Lord, I don't want to cause no fuss. But what about us? God will bless. Look to him and trust him. But that verse 19 is written because of what was done right before that. See, a lot of times people take verses out of its context. But in the context, this is where Paul says, because you are supporting me through your gifts, that I may have fruit that will abound to your account. My God will supply all of your needs. These were the people that were giving and supporting the ministry. You say, well, let it play. No, no, no. You don't take it out. If you're not doing what God says for you to do, don't think God's going to supply all of your needs. You're going to find yourself suffering and hurting, and it's not going to be there, and your prayers are not going to work. You have to stay right between you and God. You can't just use him as, you know, the federal government. They'll take care of me. Look up here. This is you and me. This is sin. I got me some beautiful sin this week. Somebody gave me a new wallet. Every time I pull out this wallet, I'm going to think about the person that gave it to me. That's not a good idea. I don't know if that's good or not. I'll connect him with sin. <laughs> no. This is sin. I mean, you and me. The Bible says that we're all born in this world with a sinful nature, and that's why we sin. God says he loves us. He hates our sin, but he loves us. But the payment for sin, the wages, death and hell. Now, God loves us, wants us to go to heaven. And to go to heaven, we have to be perfect, as righteous as God. But we're not perfect. We're not righteous. We're sinners. And because of sin, we can't get in. And God says, you can't earn eternal life. You cannot work your way to heaven. It's not by your good deeds. There is none righteous, not one. There's none that doeth good, not one. So we can't do good to get to heaven because there is none good. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord. He's God in the flesh. He came into this world because he loves us, loves the whole world. He hates our sin, all of our sins, but he loves us. So he took our sins and he paid for them. Came back from the dead and said, all I have to do is if I'll believe that he did it for me, he put that death payment to my account and I get to go to heaven on what he did. I didn't earn that and I don't deserve it. I'm a sinner saved by grace. If Christ walked in here right now and offered you eternal life and you accept it, what would you have? Eternal life. If it's eternal life, it lasts forever. And if it lasts forever and all your sins are paid, where would you go when you die? To heaven. So can you know you're going to heaven before you die? Yes. 
And once you trust Christ as Savior, you become a child of God, and you're going to heaven when you die. Now, you may not always live like a Christian, but you still are if you trust the Lord. But your Heavenly Father may have to chasten and discipline you, beat the tar out of you, take you home before your time. Serve the Lord. Guard yourself. Be wise. Watch what you see and what you hear. Were you ever told that you must confess Christ before men to be saved? Were you warned that if you refused to confess Christ, He would not confess you before the Father? Just what does that mean? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.